Audacious Compassion, Episode 5 A Pretty Talented Panda Bear Toothpaste Lemonade Polka dots and stripes You're a dark night And I'm the day We're a wreck and that's Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about how to help people when their problems seem like part of an enormous, intractable system. So, uh, how are you doing today, Melissa? (laughs) Um... I guess I'm doing okay. Things feel a little complicated in the aftermath of uh, the recent U.S. election. Yeah, we're recording this on the 15th, so it's the it's one week after Trump got elected. Right. Uh, and all those, all that giggling about the Bone Brigade last month <laughs> S- seems unsettlingly <laughs> prescient. Far less funny this month. We're generally doing okay. This whole idea of, of an individual's problems kind of being part of a larger system makes me think of a friend of mine I've got who has for the last year or so been very underpaid at her job. She kind of came in from a different position and she's faced with like this stress of wanting a higher pay rate and kind of having been promised a higher pay rate, but not knowing what that is or what that should be. And so... Yeah, she's kind of not got much experience with this level of professional work, right? Exactly, exactly. So she's, she's kind of moved into the industry from another one. And, you know, she she got... She was underpaid, so, so the previous management didn't treat her particularly well. So she's kind of trusting that new management will be better by her. And, and as part of this, she's doing research on, you know, what do people with my job title make? Which is just this weird thing. I... I guess it happens across industries but you can go and you can google and say you know i'm a software engineer too and they'll say well in charlotte north carolina here's the median salary for that Mm -hmm. i feel like i've done that before when trying to figure out what to ask people for right and once you have a couple jobs under your belt you're really asking for increases on the previous rate not looking for scratch for your job title and so it it just as as the company she's at has changed what her title is and what it will be and hasn't changed her pay rate yet. Like just watching her struggle with what expectations she should set and what she should be willing to just walk out on. Like if they offer her a certain amount, like it's going to be insulting and she's going to leave. But what is that number? Yeah. Um, and it's just part of this like gross capitalist ranking class based thing. Yeah, sort of that, that the job culture thing, right? Where right. it's like. You need to eat, and so you do not have bargaining power with employers. Exactly. Because the employer can say, we'll just go with someone else. Right. Or we'll just leave that position open for a little while. You can't say, no, I just won't have a job. Right. And being new in the industry, she lacks the confidence that she would easily get another job. Right. You know? And I mean, it's relatively easy to get tech jobs in Charlotte. We're really lucky as as tech people in Charlotte. Yes. But if you're not sure, right? Like, you've got a mortgage, you know? Right. So that's just been one of those problems where I'm like, I I don't know what to say. Like, I I don't trust her company to do well by her. I don't. Because it's a a company. It's a business, right? Right. And Um, it's not not one of those very rare companies that seems to, you know, care about its employees. 
So it's it just it feels intractable. Like I would say, let's let's get rid of capitalism, right? That's my answer. <laughs> like that doesn't help her when her review comes it's up. Problem was very hard to pick like the first three steps. <laughs> exactly. So that's and that's also been keep on like things from being too on fire. Right. <laughs> what about you? How have you been? I've been all right. Uh, again, about as well as can be considered, given a lot of the hard thinking I've been doing lately. I've been consuming far too much Facebook and Twitter Whew. lately, just exposing. Uh, we might we might talk about it more when we talk about inspirational media, but like in some ways, this can be good. It's good to feel a sense of community and to feel like you're not alone and to stay informed. But at the same time, like I can easily just for an arbitrary amount of time be swimming in awful news, right? And people who are justifiably or not scared or angry or or any number of, of difficult emotions and it's, um, i think it's interesting how sticky that is like even though you you can you can read something like that and you can be like okay i have read this i empathize with these people i'm done you read 10 of those and it it clings yeah somehow. yeah and, and it it and you can get a mixed up ratio of bad news to good yeah and like you know there's a whole ton of things good in the world and up roughly the same amount as there were a few weeks ago right it's just that there are a few more bad things now yes and it feels very much present yeah. even though you know it's not in our homes yet right nothing nothing really has changed right now like no one has been appointed to any positions yet right you know, no one no one has been inaugurated no one has been sworn in as congress folk but but the the thing that that's been nagging in my head is this the safety pins thing. So I'm so guilty. I I don't I don't know pretty much anything about safety pins. Okay. This, this particular okay. instance of of safety pins. All right. So and this this will be good context for, for posterity when when people are <laughs> listening to this in their bunkers in in years time. Okay. Um, Let's not make more jokes like that. <laughs> okay. So the safety pins thing is someone proposed, and this this is something that, that was first done during Brexit, or just post-Brexit, okay. where people who are allies of marginalized groups mm -hmm. and who might not feel safe or able to be more demonstrative mm -hmm. put safety pins on their shirts or, or something like that, and at, like you would a button or a ribbon, okay. yeah. but just a blank safety pin. And the idea is that it's a general, like, I am there for marginalized folks, regardless of who you are. Like, so not too far off from the algo with you buttons, just more discreet. Right, more, more yeah, more discreet and more general. I, I don't know what the source of it was originally, and depending on who you talk to, it's either just a show of support, or a show that you are a safe person. That like, if someone needs help, they can go to you for help. Yes. So this is a situation which, on its face, seems great, but people have raised all sorts of issues with it mm -hmm. i mean there's the there's the angle of of slacktivism which is if you put a safety pin on your jacket and decide you are done and feel good about how good of an ally <laughs> you're being and change nothing else about your life well you're not really doing much right. right there's the angle of you're setting yourself up as a safe person are you actually safe Mm. is like maybe you're only safe on some axes right or if there is a problem are you going to do something about it like are you actually going to step in if violence happens or are you going right. to be a bystander and there's the question of whether you're putting the burden on the marginalized person so like you know if 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 i'm a if i'm a person who's being hassled on a bus am i going to look around for safety pins and right. make that tactical decision and and so as the criticism kept coming and the takes kept getting hotter mm -hmm. um 
as, it, as, as they do. Yes, yes. As all that was happening, then there came out a story that hate groups, the 4chan-related groups, um, were deciding that they were going to wear the safety pins and then deliberately cause problems for people. Ugh. And so very quickly, this thing that's like this relatively gentle thing, this small thing that was good, has been condemned by everyone. People are like, I'm not going to wear it. I'm not. This is too much trouble. It matches the wave of what I've seen on Facebook. Yeah. So it's like there's there's this concept of the perfect being the enemy of the good, which is that if you are trying to get a project or anything to be a good thing, then trying to make it perfect before you call it finished or before you call it worth engaging with is a mistake because things are never going to be perfect there are always going to be problems and the idea that if something is risky or has the potential for slacktivism it should be abandoned seems weird to me yeah the cost of putting a safety pin on your jacket is near zero it is the cost of a safety pin and if you do that and also maybe do some other stuff that's a good thing that's a net good right and any movement is always going to be able to be co-opted by hateful people like if we stopped doing anything that bigots said they were going to do too then right bigots could shut down every movement right yes. unless it required great personal travails right so i'm i'm having feels about that yeah it seems familiar this like this happened a couple few years ago about something i don't know a facebook profile pick borders or something something i don't know yeah so i've got a safety pin on my jacket and i'm also doing other things to help and figuring <laughs> out what additional things i can do to help yeah so speaking of wanting to help people who are in a rough situation uh we got a, a prompt that i think struck both of us as oh we need to do this when, when it came in so this email says i have a very close friend who earlier this year came out to their spouse and myself as being genderqueer other than their spouse and me, no one knows my friend is transgender. I had a conversation with them today, and I'm really worried about them. They told me that the week before the election, they were giving serious thought about coming out, at least to their immediate family, and perhaps some co-workers. But after Tuesday's result, they said they are terrified of anyone finding out their gender identity. They're afraid that they could lose their job, be kicked out of their church, or even be physically harmed, just for being themselves. What struck me the most, though, is that they said on top of everything, they also feel guilty for being able to easily hide their gender identity from others and appear to be a normal white cisgender person, when they know there are people in the LGBT community who aren't in that position of privilege, their words. I'm at a loss as to what to say to my friend, or how to help. I just listen and offer to be there for them if they need me, but I want to do more. What do I say to my friend? How can I help them? And how can I be a better ally to the LGBT community, especially now when allies are needed the most? Thanks, a friend of the show. Heavy stuff. Yeah. So, boy, is this the part we establish our bona fides? Uh, I'm I'm the trans person and you're the ally? Sure. And if, if, if these are the identities that we wish to focus on, yes. So, like... Uh, yeah, this is a wider issue than just trans stuff. Right. And that's what struck me about this is how the friend of the show very quickly zoomed out to the structural problems here yeah like, very quickly how do i help my friend and also how do i be a better ally to queer people across right. the entire world yeah and i think that's really interesting the, the way people write their questions totally like yeah frames how they're thinking about it yeah um which is awesome so i guess like queer 101 stuff coming out of the closet is great and it's 
very cool to be able to do, but it's also fine to not be out. Right. I'm not sure that's 101. That feels like 201. I, okay. I okay. see a lot of people still pushing for everyone to be out. And national loud. coming out day and so yeah. on. And it's if it's national, let's make it safe for people to come out day. That's awesome. <laughs> but if it's national, hey, I know you're queer. Why don't you come out today? Come on. You're right. That's not not as good because sometimes that's not safe. And sometimes you might not feel safe even if it is safe. Right. Boy, that that feeling of being able to pass as cisgender, as not transgender. Yeah, so that is something that is not in my realm of experience. That, like, I'm black, I look black, no one's going to think I'm not black. I mean, like... Yeah, for... but there's there's a similar thing when it comes to race, right? There are there black are. folk who can pass. Yes, but there's no way that this doesn't resonate with me. In... Yeah, that's not your personal experience. Right, it's not my personal experience. But yeah, especially, I think, with queer stuff, like, mm -hmm. queer folk and... Uh, and trans folk don't look different right like you if you're there are certain ways of dress maybe or ways of of posture that suggest they're part of a certain subculture yeah um but you can easily be queer and not show it and i think that it's important to recognize that it's hard to not be able to pass right it's hard to be a trans person in transition and to always be clocked as a trans person to be very visible in that way you know you're you're wearing clothing that in someone's eyes doesn't match your phenotype like mm -hmm. you know the, there's something about the shape of your body and the clothing you're wearing that right. makes them them judge you and makes you feel uncomfortable but it can also be uncomfortable passing right like if you're a person who's trans and everywhere you go say you're not a man and everyone everywhere you go someone sees you as a man and always says sir he sir 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 that's also annoying aggressively and and, and painful and yeah and they tend right. in my experience they tend to be more aggressive the more confused they are right. so i get sir far more when i'm femme than when i'm more butch right. and so i think it's important to recognize that so i don't think there's any reason to feel guilty for passing passing is also a situation that can be very difficult right yeah but we're kind of not here for this person's friend we're here for the person that wants to help their friend yeah i guess don't out them right like oh, sure but i i i, I think I, yeah i think the, the querent recognizes that yeah totally you've been a friend to a trans person during a <laughs> transition and coming out and so on does this spark anything in your memory it does you had a support network that included at least one other trans person for part of that i think yeah yeah and so that to me changed things right and like i i also had the privilege to essentially be out like right it was kind of a i'm gonna start painting my nails now and i started painting my nails like i i have had easy mode in a lot of ways where like i can i'm in an industry and in a neighborhood and everything else where I don't worry about the same things right. as this. And and it sounds like this friend is part of a very small support network. Right. A two-person support network? A... Of course, we don't know if they are queer in other ways. I mean, it could be that they are, you know, they, they have lots of gay friends or right. anything else, any LGB, etc. And that this is the, the new axis. Yeah. So one of the things that comes to mind to me is independent of this particular friend's struggle is determining what your own system of support looks like. Like, how do you provide support? So for me, in an ideal world, like this is sort of like the pillars. The first thing to do is listen, right? Which right. Our, our friend mentions. Then to offer to be there for them. Then to be willing to do things for them. 
and then to also be doing larger service for the system that is broken. So I am donating money to these organizations. I am perhaps spending time with youth, whatever that looks like. But kind of having that, and to me, to me, it's a matter of ethics. To me, it's a matter of, it's not okay for me to, if someone says, I'm having trouble, for me to go, what can I do to fix it, right? Like to immediately, to to not even hear them out, hmm. but to endeavor to take over and to dominate and to fix. Yeah. And so, but some people are really interested in, or, or find that to be okay. Some people only want to deal with the broader societal issues and mm-hmm. care not many figs for the individual level. Yeah. Um, and so... And so, yeah, one-on-one, since these problems aren't going to get solved quickly, right? there's a lot more about just basic human interaction that can be helpful like much more of the work is going to be telling your friend that you like them rather than doing anything that's specifically trans related exactly and kind of having those ideas lined up ahead of time because a part of this i think it's fair to say probably comes from the work i've done around codependency Mm -hmm. and establishing safe boundaries for myself, healthy boundaries for myself. Yeah. Because the thing I would used to do was to try to take ownership of a problem mm-hmm. for someone else. And so just by virtue of deconstructing that system, I had to look and say, okay, so what is the thing I should do first? Yeah. That turns out to just be shutting up and listening. And in part, one of the reasons why you are the confidant in this situation is that you don't have this problem. Right. Like... You are someone outside of this system. Mm-hmm. And so that the fact that you're not in it day to day is fine. And in fact, pr- since this person is worried about being out, probably makes you safe. Right. Because they can have intimate conversations with you and not worry that someone's going to be like, why are you hanging so- around that queer person so much? Exactly. But yeah, that those self-boundaries, yeah, you can get burned out really easily. You can. Yes. Yeah, so the sustainability of those is crucial. And this... I mean, this this ties into kind of the stuff we absorb via social media and the fatigue that we get from dealing with all these things all the time anyway. And I think it takes some tweaking over the time and based on your own mood in terms of what you can handle. But yeah, figuring out kind of what a sustainable model of support looks like yeah. is, is my first piece of advice. Yeah, think about what you are willing to do, what you can do and stay healthy. Right. And categorizing those into what actually helps this person what makes a safer environment from around me? Right. And then how can I help on a you know a national or a global scale? Right. And then there are some things that you can do six days out of the week. I am totally fine listening if someone wants to IM me or call me or something and they want to tell me something is wrong. Right. Like that's a, to me, that's a sustainable thing I can do in my life is mm-hmm. listen when people have problems. If someone wants to come to my house and sit in my space and tell me about their problems... That's going to be something I'm. that is harder for me to do more often. Yeah. If someone wants to come live at my house, like if they're like, I really need a place to stay, that's like a burst mode. Like, yes, I will do this for you. And then not again for anyone else for a while, right? Like, yeah. there's just sort of these, even on the individual level, there are sort of things that require so much more energy for us as individuals, whatever that is. Maybe for you, you've got a six-bedroom house and you can lose three people in there and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever that sort of model is, having those options available so that, you know, right now, your friend just just needs an ear, a shoulder to cry on. But knowing, like, you say, I just listen and offer to be there for them if they need me. But, like, what does that entail? What are, what are the options? Right? Yeah. Like, 
maybe the options are, I'll buy you a plane ticket somewhere. Is that an option? You know, so just kind of thinking for yourself what those look like. Yeah. And and one of the important issues surrounding like interpersonal consent and stuff like that is your friend needs to be able to believe that you will say no if it's too much. Yes. Your friend, if, if, if you're willing to, you know, tear out your liver for your friend, I mean, absent like a good surgeon and an, and an organ donation program, then you're putting the burden on your friend of deciding if they're asking for too much. That's a very good point. Yes. But if you tell your friend, hey, here's what I'm willing to do, or if during one of those conversations, I am sure that you have had conversations with your friend where about an hour in, they've been telling you all this really rough stuff, and you've been like, I can't take any more of this. If the next time that happens, you say, hey, I think I've listened all I can for tonight. Can we resume this later? Hopefully, your friend will A, respect your boundaries and say okay, and B, feel more confident in the future asking for support because they'll know that you're willing to say when it's too much. And that's, I mean, that's hard on both sides. Like, it's hard to be the person saying, I can't handle it anymore. Right? Oh, yeah, that's that's not easy at all. So like, feel, that's the, one of the hardest things. Right. I have felt so guilty sometimes. Be good to yourself. We're bad at that. And we can't. Yeah, as, we, as a species. As a species, as a, as a culture. I don't know how much. I mean, yeah. I like to think there are cultures in this world that where people treat themselves better. I'm not sure if that's true. <laughs> well, yeah. But I would like to think so. But we are pretty bad about it. Yeah. Something that I think that we haven't talked about that touches on all of these angles on what can you do for your friend, how can you help, and how can you be a better ally in general is make the environment around you more welcoming. Oh my god, yes. Like, (laughs) you're not outing your friend at all if you call people out on transphobic stuff or queerphobic stuff or any any sort of bigotry Mm -hmm. like things like if someone makes a joke about caitlin jenner that's a bad example isn't it i don't know i mean it's a good one people crack people no it's a great damn example okay people are still gross about that if someone makes a joke a gross joke don't laugh don't be quiet as you feel safe and able criticize it Right. And I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't need to be, you're a bigot. I won't allow you to say that sort of thing about me, uh, around me. Pro tip, doesn't work so well. <laughs> right. But you can go like, ugh. Well, it depends. <laughs> I, I don't advocate name calling. If the intent is to shut down conversation, which sometimes that is the goal, mm-hmm. polite, I mean, we talked about politeness last month quite a bit. Politeness is not necessary. Yeah. If you want to yeah. have discourse you approach it a little differently if you want yeah. to shut something down but in, in in terms of like feeling safe as a member of a community yes um it's usually being gentle is feels easier right and and so you know saying that's a kind of gross joke or that's mean yeah because it usually is right i was proud of myself recently i in in a slack chat room when a joke was made i'm like that's a pretty transphobic joke and folks kind of seemed to agree with me and the joke got taken down and i was able to modify my statement to be a response to the previous slack post and instead it became that's a pretty talented panda bear oh my god (laughs) and like just kind of keeping up that sort of thing where it's like calling out things when they happen and also talking about these issues among people that you wouldn't normally talk about them with like hey i saw some pictures of lesbian couple that got married the other 
day. Look at these pictures. Aren't they great? Mm-hmm. Or um, check out this new advertisement by this deodorant company that, yeah. has done a, that has done a trans woman debating whether to leave the bathroom stall. Yeah. Like if if you place yourself as a person who is supportive of marginalized people and also intolerant of bigotry, then the environment around you will improve and will be therefore more welcoming to your friend. Right. And it might be that the people who are bigoted or who do bigoted things won't change at all, but they won't do those things around you. Yeah, there's this this kind of phenomenon that can happen where, and this is the good side of, of being a black angry woman at work, is that like there's this bubble that surrounds you. And so interestingly enough, that bubble does not include homophobic and transphobic jokes. That joke, that bubble around me does not include racist jokes. It doesn't include jokes about class. Just, I can gather a group of people and talk to them at work and they won't make those jokes because they know I will not stand for those jokes. Mm-hmm. And it, it has its downsides as we've also talked about before on this podcast. But it probably also means that if someone's been having a hard day and doesn't want to hear some transphobic jokes because they're a closeted trans person, they might ask you to go out to lunch with them. Right. Or go get ice cream in the afternoon or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, exactly. So it's a perk. And that's, it's a, that's the tiny community. Like, yeah. You know, how can I be a better ally to the LGBT community? There's, there's the big stuff, right? Like supporting legal funds yeah, and paying money to people, calling, calling senators. senators. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also just like, my desk and the people in my row of cubes like this is a safe environment yeah i mean hell you know if you've got a cubicle put up a against hate thing or Mm. whatever in your cubicle like if you feel safe doing so do it to the extent that you feel safe right like the same sort of thing as, as coming out right like however much you think you can wave the flag yeah do so and there's a wide range of things you know there's there's the general against hate there's you know, more pretty, spe- pretty hard to pretty hard to right like it's it's hard to, for someone to be like i'm actually pretty pro hate if you ask me and then there's like down with hb2 right which is a little further along and then there's like i don't know which H- dismantle the capitalist establishment and, right. and establish an egalitarian anarcho-communistic structure is probably a little a little, a little further risky which, for those not in the know, HB2 is a law passed in North Carolina, in the United States, that mandates what gender should be going into what bathrooms. Yes, and also makes discrimination against trans folk legal. Right. And, and it makes it illegal to make a law making it illegal. Right. Um, it's It's caused a lot of harm in the trans community. It's caused harm for places where there were laws protecting veterans, getting jobs, mm-hmm. things like that. So, HB2 is an unpleasant phenomenon in our local state yeah and there might be places where advocating against it would get you ostracized at work right and if that's the case it's perfectly fine for you to say i'm not going to do that right stick with the don't hate i mean yeah i hope that you stretch yourself and make sure that you actually don't feel safe and not just i'm a little scared but uh but yeah so did we did we answer the questions? I think we did. Determine for yourself, kind of independent of this situation, what you're able to do and what yeah. is right to do. Sort of stepping out in terms of level of effort and level of invasiveness. And then make the space around you safer. Yeah. And then look sort of at the at the broader city, state, nation level in terms of what kinds of support you want to provide. 
Yeah. And when you're establishing those boundaries and what's sustainable for you, make sure that your friend knows you have those boundaries and are willing to, to stick to them so that they don't feel like they're a burden on you. Exactly. Ah, that's a heavy, heavy topic. You it were is. right. I called it. <laughs> so what uh, what have you been inspired by in the media? Hmm. Well, I've found myself getting a decent amount of solace by the work of Austin Walker. He's a, a games journalist. Uh, more, most recently, has kind of started up uh, Vice's video game site called Waypoint. And I'm glad they came up with a name other than Vice Gaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was previously of uh, Giant Bomb, mm-hmm. which is another video gaming website. And he's a really cool dude and really smart and really empathic. Yeah, he kind of came into at least my awareness as as the the writer at big journalist places that cared about indie games. Yeah. And like t- like super feely indie games, like just would emote all the time. Yeah. He's really good at when big issues come up, talking about them in a way that makes it clear that he has strong feelings about it, but also in a way that it's productive for his message to be heard and for people to listen to him. So he will say of he might say, you know, like, this is not okay, this is racist or whatever. Right. But say in a way that's like, nope, this is my feeling and let's talk about why, let's talk about the details. Right. And so he soon after the election he recorded a piece on his feelings about it. He's on multiple podcasts, uh, waypoints podcast, full podcast after the election was was very encouraging sort of as a let's make sure life goes on and not forget the change in context yeah and then i've also been listening to a gaming podcast that uh, he does called friends at the table which is a an actual play podcast uh, where they're doing epic fantasy at the moment which i am in the podcast that's their they're still in their first yeah this is still their their first storyline and just he's cool he has good views and his voice is really soothing yeah he's got a really soothing voice it's pretty which yeah he's got a also a new jersey york something some big city yeah i can't recognize various (laughs) boroughs of but yeah yeah it's it's been weird i i was sort of sitting today i'm like i'm feeling crappy what do i want to do to pull me out of this mood and i'm like I like to hear Austin Walker talk some more. Yeah. So I put on this, at this point, kind of boring and rambly podcast. <laughs> I'm, they they tighten up the production values later, but uh, but it was soothing. So yeah, I've been I've been very much appreciating the work he's been doing lately. So what have you been inspired by? Um, I have also been finding inspiration in people. I have a really weird way of using Twitter. I think it's weird. Um, yeah, because Twitter normally I wouldn't call inspirational much right, of the time hardly ever so i follow a lot of people i follow maybe hundreds of people to me it's not a big deal to follow someone but i never i never actually look at my twitter feed i use a oh, okay yeah, so i use like a client application like hootsuite or something to to read and i get more than the default 50 messages a minute of, of items coming down the feed so i don't i don't read twitter uh, but what I do is I get push notifications for people that I'm interested in actually hearing from. Okay, so when they tweet, it pops up on your phone? Right. Um, and I often have, like, all 50 notifications that Android phones will let you have from a particular app. It's often full. But there's, like, there's probably 15 or 20 people in that set. Not all of them are very prolific, but I always get notified. And this is this has been the way I've used Twitter for easily two years now. Because I don't... It's an industry thing. Like I go to all these industry events, and everyone mm-hmm. wants you to follow them on Twitter, but I don't. 
I'm interested in their work, but I'm not interested in chasing down their last work. So anyway, the people that I have already had push notifications on for a while, their switch from reaction to response happened rather quickly and in ways that are just inspiring. Like, I, I haven't been able to sit and write some sort of piece about the election or what do we do now or anything like that. So that, that switch from reaction to response is like switching from, oh my gosh, what's happening right. to here's what we do about it. Yeah, and, and switching from not just the confusion, but the rage, right? Like mm -hmm. the outrage, the hatred, that initial anxiety mm -hmm. that puts you out on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Moving through that and figuring out both at the personal and the broader level, like one person, Todd in the Shadows, does pop music reviews. That's great. They're pretty good. He's, he's really good. And it has a lot of pictures of his dogs. <laughs> These tiny, strange dogs. Tiny, strange dogs. But very quickly, he was tweeting about how he was going to become a better person. What this had inspired in him was to be the best Todd he could be. And getting rid of the fluff of minutia of taking up every little thing, mm -hmm. but just like really focusing down and saying, what is the best thing I should be doing with my time right now? Mm -hmm. Which is a thing, I mean, it's that's not like a unique sentiment, right? Like, right, that's not, a, that's not a particularly original revolutionary statement. Right, but to hear that Thursday, mm -hmm. when I had stayed up until 3.30 the night of the election after you know clinton had made the call i don't know it was just it was it's well timed people finding good clear ways to talk about the problems with our political system and overall our economical systems like this whole this whole framework that got us here i don't agree with everything that, all, that they're all saying and i don't think they all have the whole picture mm -hmm. you know a lot of people will come at this from an angle right it's this demographic okay well mm -hmm. it's not that it's not just that or it's just about money or it's just about race yeah. Oh, everything is intersectional always. Right. And some of these people that I'm that I have push notifications are, are some of the most intersectionalist viewpoints I've seen across news and various other social networks. And so it's been really good to see that like as exhausted as I've been and as much as I feel like I don't think there's an easy answer for this, like I don't think there's an easy explanation. It's mm -hmm. not just, oh, the Democrats couldn't put someone up, right? Like it's not it's not just that. It's not just anything. It's right. they have also thought that. Mm -hmm. That it's not simple. We can't just reduce it to racism and bigotry. And I love right. it. It's great. It's been inspiring. Awesome. So so what are our takeaways, our final thoughts on this 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 issue of trying to help people when it seems like their problems are related to these big systems, these intractable systems? Know what you can do before you're in the situation. Yeah. Whether it's, I mean, it's whether you're wearing a safety pin or not, right? Like, right. Figure out what you can do. Make sure that what you can do is the right thing. Read about. Mm -hmm. If you Google, how do I help someone being harassed? How do I help a trans person? You're going to get answers. Most of them are going to be good. Right. And it needs to be sustainable. Like, it needs to be something that you can stay healthy doing. Right. And you need to genuinely ask yourself, what is it that I can actually do? Right. If, and if you're holding down two jobs and have kids and a spouse that travels, like, be be real. Like, what can you do? It's okay if it's not everything. It can't be everything. And at the same time, 
if you're going, oh, I'm not sure that I can call out my family on these jokes because that would be really uncomfortable, maybe for you that wouldn't be healthy. But make sure that it's not just you avoiding a bit of discomfort when it could save other people a whole lot of discomfort. Right. There's no, there are very, very few changes that you can make within yourself that don't cause discomfort. Yeah. And be honest with yourself about how much discomfort you can take. Right. And push yourself a little. Yeah. Don't, don't strain any muscles, but... Warm up first. (laughs) Yeah. If your muscles ache the next morning, that means you're getting stronger. All right. So thank you for talking to me today, Melissa. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. Us at averydweir.net. I'm Gregory, and you can reach me on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa, and you can reach me on Twitter at AveryMD. Our closing song is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. There's the question of whether you're putting the burden Skateboarding? Someone is skateboarding, yes.